preach in Jesus' name this morning. Good to be here. After missing two Sundays, it's good to be home. wasn't long in my, into my ministry after I was ordained, I decided that in our church we had a formal devotional and then the sermon. And, and in situations like that or in a series of meetings like Midwest meetings or something, if I was supposed to be the speaker and, and the previous speaker or whoever in whatever situation covered half of my sermon, that I was not going to panic, that I was going to take the position that uh, I, along with all of God's people, need to hear it again. That's the only way I could bail myself out without changing all my notes. And I do honestly believe that. Not just Friday, but next Friday, the following Friday, uh, I'm supposed to speak in Pennsylvania at the Brian meetings, and they assigned me a subject on transparency. Now, I don't change subject titles that are given to me, but I think I'm going to change this one. <coughs> just a bit. After slugging through this sermon, I retitled it The Fine Art of Transparency. It's not quite as simple as it appears. And we covered probably half of this sermon this morning, so uh, that's fine. There was a study made, uh, I think in the late 80s, and it came to four conclusions about how we know each other. Uh, we think we know our close friends better than they know us. And we understand them better, too. This is the general consensus of how people think. Uh, we believe we know our roommates better than they know us. We know ourselves better than our roommates know themselves. We believe that we, we are less knowable than our friends. For example, it is easier to get to know our friends than it is to get to know us. In interpersonal Interactions, we believe we find out more about other people than other people find out about us. That's interesting. I know people better than they know themselves, but I am misunderstood more than they are misunderstood. Notice how selfish and carnal those inclinations are. On the other hand, there is a term people use. It's called the spotlight effect. It is the phenomena in which people tend to believe they are noticed more than they really are. The reasoning behind a spotlight effect comes from the tendency to forget that although one is the center of one's own world, one is not the center of everybody else's world. Okay? And because I'm up here this morning and I'm in the spotlight, so to speak, I would tend to believe that you do not understand how nervous I am. I am way more nervous than what you think I am because I'm just in front of everybody. I read one time in the Reader's Digest that 80% of all college students think that they are above average. Could that be say that all 80% of all conservative Mennonites think that they're above average spiritually? I, I, I don't know. 
The term transparency means to be free from pretense or deceit. Just simply frank. Easily detected or seen through. Something that's obvious. Readily understood. Characterized by visibility or accessibility of information concerning especially concerning business practices. So, everyone here in this audience this morning that is familiar with every other person that regularly attends here will have a personal evaluation of how transparent every other person in this, at least in an adult situation, every other adult adult to adult how transparent they are that may or may not be totally accurate There was an event in the scripture where Jesus was calling his disciples. And the Bible says, The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming unto him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree. Believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hither after, hereafter, ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And that's found in John 1, 47 to 51. Here comes Jesus, and he sees Nathanael, he says, here is a man that there is no decoy. No decoy. There is no guile. There is no cover-up. Now this is after, you know, Nathaniel was not a shy person. When he's asked about he said, can there anything good come out of Nazareth? He was open. Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree. Now, I don't know this morning what he was doing under the fig tree. I assume it was something that Jesus admired. Maybe he was having his devotional. Maybe he was reading the scripture. Maybe he was praying. I don't know what he was doing. But Jesus said, I, I saw you. He said, and you're not a decoy. You're not a fake. Decoys are fake. You want to, if you want to see decoys, just go to uh, um, uh, some sporting goods. They have all kinds of decoys. They got the turkeys that, you know, they go around and the deer that turn their head and wag the tail and, and all these decoys. Jesus said, "Here is a man that's real." That's what he said. And I thought about that. 
If Jesus walked up to me today, or he referred to me, somebody, he said, there's a man that's real. He's authentic. And I believe there's a, there, there is a connection between transparency and authenticity. If something is authentic, it's going to be real. And it can be examined. It can be put under a microscope. It can be put on a magnifying glass. It can be all this stuff. And, and, and you can lay it down and they say, that is real. That wasn't made in China. That is the real thing. Stand inspection. Don't worry about it. If I'm talking to somebody and I ask them a question, and they say, you know what? I think it's time to MYOB. You ever hear that? Just mind your own business. And they walk away. They are not being transparent. I had a friend that there was several men talking in church after church and he walked up and everything got quiet and uh, that, that's not a bad indication I mean when you walk up and everything gets quiet yeah, I mean and they just stopped conversation and then finally my friend says so what was the what was the subject or what were you talking about here and they said you know mind your own business and this happened alright I guess I will mind my own business I didn't know that <clears throat> I, b I believe there's appropriate transparency. I believe there is inappropriate transparency. And that's why I retell I got about to this point, and I said, this is a fine art. And that's when I changed the title. It's like the fine art of transparency. For example, my dad was in business with my uncle almost his entire life. I think at 21 years old. My grandpa thought he was going to die, and he says to his two oldest boys, I want you to take over the business, and, and you know, at 21 years old, or 19, I think, maybe. I don't even think they were married at the time. And so they took over the business. I mean, they had until, I, I don't know, they were probably 50-some years old. So they were in business 40 years, and, and the business was successful. And somebody walked up to my dad and said, so why? Get, what, 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 what are some of the tips of of why the Martin Food Market was successful. And one of the things he said was, the day that we formed this business and we took over the business, we decided between ourselves that we are keeping our wives out of this business. That's what they decided. And they did. Now, if you want a recipe for disaster, go in business 50-50 with some other person and include your wives. I, I, sorry, I, I'm not trying to... It adds a dynamic that can be extremely difficult. You know, if it's 55, 45, then, then it's all clear. But, but if it's 50, 50, the wives are looking on and they're evaluating what's happening between the two business partners. All right? And they're saying, my husband's getting the short end of the deal. Now, I'm sure that can happen, doesn't matter what. But in a 50, 50 business, that, that's, I, I would never ever encourage anyone to go in business 50-50 with anybody else. I just simply wouldn't. I mean, for whatever reason, it could be 49-51, but not 50-50. All right? <clears throat> I never remember 
my dad publicly running down my uncle in front of us as a family. Whatever disagreements they had, they kept within them between themselves. They did not spread it all over their families and get everybody mostly involved, including their wives, because they felt it would be inappropriate transparency. And quite frankly, I believe they were right. This next point, I didn't know where to put into the sermon, but I felt it needed to be the end of the sermon. And so I'm going to stick it in right here for what it's worth. I believe that godly transparency always protects and respects other people. Um, especially those of the opposite gender. The, the thing that I struggle with in this whole sermon is because I, I tend to evaluate other people by how transparent or whatever I think is appropriate. All right, so I, I realize and it is forefront in front of me all the time that this could be a very controversial sermon. Uh, it says, well, Dennis thinks that just because that's the way Dennis is. See, so you, you, you have this idea of how transparent I am. See, I don't know what that is necessarily. I hope that it's good, but all this whole sermon is bounced off of that fact. Dennis is relatively transparent. He is transparent, or he's relatively closed. I, I can't figure out what he's thinking. He doesn't say uh, uh, all these things. So you're bouncing that off of this. But but one thing that bothers me, one thing that bothers me in, in a Bible school setting, and I'll be very transparent here, <clears throat> is that when a male teacher... I'll just say a teacher, they're all, well, yeah, okay, I'll just say a male teacher constantly tries to delve into the inner feelings of a single girl. He's digging around, and he's digging around, and he's digging around, and he's digging around. And they're saying <clears throat> inside, I am going, no, I'm going to protect my heart. I am not going to tell this man Everything that's inside me. And then that person says, well, because they are not transparent, obviously they have, they have a spiritual problem. And it just proves they need spiritual help. I believe this morning, there's no mistake that the Bible says that the older women should mentor the younger women. That is no mistake. Now, if a female teacher is teaching uh, Christian womanhood and asks very personal questions of the girls, I think it's very appropriate that they open up to the point that they feel comfortable. I, I, still, I still believe... <clears throat> you can correct me on this. This is a rough draft here, so... I've got a week and a half to get this right if it's not right. So you can you, you can come back to church to tell me, you know, what it is. But, but, but I, I've seen people dig and dig and dig. And the person being dug into will just keep backing, 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 backing off when the pressure is higher and higher. I see other people, minister, other staff members ministering to the youth, and I see them going into the prayer room together because they feel the need to be transparent to somebody about a spiritual need they have. That difference, I don't know that I can completely explain, but there's something about 
God working in the, in the life of another person that, that we had, may have concerns about that brings them to the point where they want to be transparent rather than we trying to be the Holy Spirit and telling them, you've got this problem, you need, to, you need to get it out, you need to talk about it, because if you don't, you're in trouble. For example, Troy Strzok, there was a young man who came to Bible school thought he was the school counselor. And he had all the answers. Troy Schrock had just lost his mom. This fellow comes to Troy and he says, I don't think you are dealing with your mom's death properly because you aren't broken up about it. He was acting normal a year later. Now, was Troy having struggles about the death of his mom? Absolutely he was. He had to. No one becomes absolutely comfortable about the death of a parent, a spouse, a husband, whatever, in one year. It just doesn't happen. But he's telling him, you must, you must have all, you know, all this help here. And, you know, and, and, and Troy comes to his dad and he says, Dad, it's like, am I this far off? Do I have all these resolved problems I'm carrying around? His dad said, no. You're being transparent with me. You're being transparent with the people that are close to you. They're helping you. You really don't have the problem that he thinks you do. I believe... A married man is digging into the life of a single girl that he's playing with fire. Now, I'll be very blunt with you this morning. I think he's playing with fire. Not only in his life, but in her life. He's playing with fire. I believe we need to be protecting the hearts of our single sisters. If they have a husband, then they can... Open up to them. I think we need to be very, very careful that our transparency is appropriate and not inappropriate. I, I don't know. I, I, I keep thinking, you know, Trying to decide what's appropriate and inappropriate transparency takes a tremendous amount of wisdom. And, 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 and Proverbs 10, The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. Proverbs 11.13 a talebearer reveals secrets, but he that is a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. There's a lot of, you know, we read each other's body language. Um, for example, if you are in a negotiation process, I, re I read this once, I think it's true. Negotiation process, like if you're a business and, and your opponent or, 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 or the other person, goes like this and leans back on their chair. You know you're done. He is not going to be transparent from here on out. It's all over. Now, if he's at the table and he's still leaning forward and he's still listening and he's still commenting, you have a chance. But if he goes like this and leans back, you're done. So that's body language. A lot of our transparency has to do with what we say. And not just what we say, it is how we say it. So, we need wisdom in our transparency. The Bible is very clear that don't say everything that comes to your mind. 
Um, we were in Ohio, and there was another couple at Sandra and Matt's place, and there was a discussion, and this lady said something, and she said, oh, I just said that without going through the filter. And uh, it, it wasn't offensive. It was just very straightforward statement. Uh, she's, and she just caught herself, and she said, I said that without it going through the filter. I believe everything we say should be put through God's filter. We not only should enter, uh, filter our Internet, we should filter our speech and our mind. Um, because... We need to filter out the carnality. We have to filter out the selfishness. We have to filter out all, all this stuff that naturally comes. Now, if I would, if God would come to me this, I just imagine this. God would come to me this morning and say, you know what? Uh, <clears throat> to be perfectly honest with you, <clears throat> Brother Wendon has this problem. And not only Brother Wendon has a problem, but uh, Brother Dan has another problem. And then uh, Brother Delvin, he has a third, this other problem. And to be perfectly frank with you, if they would get their priorities right, the church would progress a lot faster. Does God do that? No. Now, does Wendon have a problem? Sure he does, because every human being has a problem. All of us here have a problem. Anybody here that has no problem? Anybody here would say that I do not need my priorities home? Anybody here willing to? I mean, he's got priorities all, all perfect. All right. Now, would you also admit that if your priorities were better, that the church would progress better? Yeah, we all admit that, right? It's the truth. But does God say that? No. If God doesn't say it, should we say it? God doesn't say that. You know what he says? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. God cuts through all the details of what could be said and he reaches right into our heart. He says, you know what? I know you have problems. I know you're burdened down. I know all of that. But that's not the point. The point is, I will help you through that if you come to me. I believe godly transparency lays aside the details and reaches into the heart. Godly transparency removes the mask that everything is all right. Every, anything, anybody here, everything is going perfect in your life today. I mean perfect. you got it all together. You're everything that God wants you to be. Nope. Has it happened? And it never will happen.
If I come across to you or to anybody else, I got it all together. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding God. I am only kidding myself. It acknowledges that my burden's heavy sometimes. It acknowledges that I need more of his meekness and his lowliness. It acknowledges that I'm not humble as I should have been, that I still have pride to deal with. And sometimes my soul is restless instead of restful. That is the way it is. And it also gives me hope because Jesus says, I know all that and I will help you carry that burden. I've mentioned this incident before about 34 years ago. I was ordained about nine months and I got a call. A member of our congregation accidentally shot the neighbor girl in the head. That article was on the there. And we were talking about empathy this morning. We were talking about like just just to absorb the phone call, let alone to be there. It, it just staggers your imagination. I mean you just I mean, our, our bishop, one of the first things he told me after I was ordained, Dennis, you have to be, he said, one thing about being a minister, you have to be shockproof. Well, I, you don't get shockproof to that kind of stuff. I mean, it just don't happen. You, you just hang up the phone and you say, no, I did not get that phone call. And that pales in comparison to walking up to the neighbor girl that you just accidentally shot in the head. I don't know what I would do. I think I would instantly lose my sanity. I don't know what I would do. I just can't grasp. I can't comprehend that. This can't be real. It just didn't happen. No, no, no. We were in Ohio, and we went to visit that brother. He ended up later on ordained deacon. Today he's almost blind. Quite blind. I'm not sure how close to almost. And, you know, I helped. We helped, tried to help him through that. You know, what what can you say? What can you say when you go to visit? I mean, that's the primary thing in your mind. What can what can I say? What can I? I can't I can't explain it. I can't. I I just I, I'm I, I'm lost for words. He told me later. He said, the "Difference between Christians and non-Christians." as day and night he said you didn't even have to question the Christians came they held my hand and they cried they had very little to say because there wasn't much to say but their tears spoke volumes. And in the last couple of years, you know, him and I, I just call him up. He's blind. He can't, you know, he's, I just feel for him. You know, he can't mow the yard anymore. He's, you know, he can't hardly read. He, you know, so I call him up and we'll just chat for an hour. And, and I, I've, I've threatened, you know, it's like, should I ask Mel what he learned through that experience? 
because he never talked about it much. Like, in retrospect, 34 years, looking back, we got there, and I don't know what triggered it off, but he opened right up about that incident. He said, my accident. That's what he used, the term, my accident. And he said, I struggled, and I struggled, and I struggled for a long time. He didn't say how long. He, I remember his son telling me I, had to get, I used to have to go into the house. Dad, get off of the sofa. You can't just lay there and think about this all day long. You need to get out and at least work and do something. You can't just be there. And he would get his dad and take him out and get him to work. Just healthy interaction with other people. And, and he told me, he said, Dennis, he said, I struggle and I struggle and I struggle. And I, I think if I recall, it was a period of time. It wasn't just not even a year, maybe longer than that. And his son said dad would walk the floor all, at night for a whole year. Uh, I, I just can't imagine that that scene just kept going through your head. And he said, finally, he said, one day I got this overwhelming urge to just get on the tractor, go back there, and pray. And he said, I went back there, and I cried, and I cried, and I prayed, and I cried, and I prayed. He said, then, he said, I did that, I don't know how many times that summer, he said, I did that. And he said, and God met me under that tree. I just felt like I was staying on holy ground. He wasn't a bit bitter. Him and his wife both said, I don't know. We will never know why that happened. But he said, I have come to the conclusion, and, and this this is a tremendous concept that whatever God brings into our lives, He can use that in ways, He can use us in ways that He could never have used us before. Not that He can't use us. 1 Corinthians 1. Pardon me, Second Corinthians one. He quoted Second Corinthians one two. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's a man that went through a tremendously traumatic experience, one that I cannot comprehend. I mean, I thought when I wrecked a car or my wife wrecked a car or something, I mean, this is really, really bad, you know, but he said, blessed be God. Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, And the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. And he took that verse. And he applied it literally. And when someone accidentally shot somebody else in our conservative circles, and it happens occasionally, deer hunting or whatever, he would drop his tools, he would pack up the car, and they would go. There's something about Mel Miller putting his arm around someone 
that accidentally shot and killed another person and say, I know where you are because I have been there and God will be there. Something about being transparent needs to carry the message of hope. On the other hand, our bishop in Ohio fought in World War II. He was a wayward Amish boy. He traveled with Barnum and Bailey Circus for two years. Very extremely ungodly uh, situation. Signed up, went in the military in World War II in Germany. Fought in one of the fiercest battles in World War II, which was the Battle of the Bulge, I'm told. He never talked about it. He had tattoos all over his arms. He always wore a long sleeve shirt. I never saw his tattoos, but I knew they were there. Occasionally you could see him. If his shirt was light enough, you could see him through his. He never opened up to me about all the details of his life in Barnum Belly Circus, is simply the fact that he did. He never opened up about his experiences in World War II, except to say that at the Battle of the Bulge, and he's in a foxhole, and the bullets were flying both directions over his head, and he promised God that, God, if you get me out of here, I will serve you without question the rest of my life. I don't need to know all the details of Barnum and Bailey Circus. I don't need to know all the details of World War II, the Battle of the Bulge, in the foxhole, how many people he shot and killed, if he did. I don't need to know all that details, but I know that God will meet a wayward Amish boy in a foxhole in World War II. That I know. And despite what we put ourselves in, or despite what happens to us, our testimony needs to be a testimony of hope. Because if it's not, it's just simply wallowing around, spilling our guts out, trying to get sympathy from everybody else. And there's a fine line between a testimony and a Grab for sympathy. And all can be very, very transparent. But some things need to be said. Some things are better left unsaid. However, the bottom line is Jesus will meet your needs in whatever situation you find yourself in. Some people talk about it more. Some people are more reserved. They don't talk about it as much. I encourage, if someone doesn't want to talk about something with me, I, I say, that's fine. you know. But I encourage you to talk, just find somebody you can confide in, at least one person and you can share with. And we get to this, wow. You ever meet somebody that spills their guts? We talked about this morning. Spills their guts out of everybody. I mean, it's just like, oh, my God. I think it was a minister's meeting one time, and this young girl was there, and she cornered my wife. And I mean, it's Mark describing this morning. Everything, everyone, everybody's, you know, all this trial and tribulation life, what everybody does and what all my problems are, whatever. And, and, you know, people sympathetic and they hear it. And so, you know, it's like, you know, I, I would suggest you do this, whatever. They, she wasn't 
listening. As soon as she left Mary Sue, she's with a preacher. And, and, you know, he's, yeah, 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 you can tell, you know, yeah, yeah, and she's, and as soon as he's done with her, I mean, she's done with him, it's another preacher. And, and yeah, 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 you can tell he's going like this, and she's telling him, she was not looking for answers. All she was was being so excessively transparent, but she was not looking for answers. And I talked to one of the preachers she got had cornered up with that day, and he says, well, even to this day she calls me every day. I said, you know what, she wouldn't call me every day. And I'm willing to listen, but not every day. And I'm willing to sympathize, and I'm willing to give advice, and I'm willing to empathize, and I'm willing to do all that stuff. But it's unhealthy for this single girl to be calling this married man every day on the phone. That's very unhealthy. You have your problems. I have my problems. Everybody has their problems. And... Everybody else don't need to know about our problems. And we can ask for help, but the person shouldn't go away feeling like a garbage can. You get what I'm, I'm saying? They shouldn't walk away feeling like a garbage can. And I, I found that, for me personally... I have opened up to people and said, I, I need advice. I'm struggling. I'm really struggling about this or that or the other. And I just open, them up, open up to them and say, you know, I, 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 I want you to tell me what to do. And I've heard, maybe I was like the girl. I don't know. But after about two people that I did that to, people that I highly regard, respect, and both of them said, you know what, Dennis? We can't tell you what to do. You will need to work that out between you and God. Then we have a temptation of telling people off. You ever that time? Just tell them off. I need to tell them. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to tell them. I have the right to unload on you. No, no, no. You may take the opportunity, but likely, if you're have any kind of relationship with the Lord at all, probably you will deeply regret that. Caving into that carnality. My next older brother, Arvin, he preached here a while back. Uh, he was very transparent with me and still is. And I remember dumping inappropriate stuff on him you know this that and the other and you know what he would say sounds like a personal problem to me that's what he'd say now I like people who uh, tell me like it is I don't really like trying to Say, what are they trying to say politely? What are they, you know, kind of beat around the bush and try to figure out what's going on? And um, somehow, I don't know, transparency. If people aren't transparent with me, there is something I believe I need to ask myself. Do they have a reason to distrust me?
do they have a reason to question how committed I am to them as an individual? See, trust and personal commitment are one of the foundations of transparency. So I cannot expect, for example, someone to be very transparent with me if they think that I'm going to tell the whole world about their problems. Follow what I'm saying? If they think that I'm not committed to them under all circumstances, they will never open up to me. They will never say really what's on their heart. And somehow that not only applies to people, it applies to God. If for some reason I distrust God, I'm not going to tell him everything that I think. It's so ridiculous because he does know. And, 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 and this is where I, I really, really struggle to understand. To, to, if I feel, because, no, I'm talking about feeling now. This is not fact. But if I feel because of certain circumstances that God let me down. Now, I admit, there's times, and there have been times, where I felt that if I did everything that God asked me to do, that the situation would turn out the way I felt God would be honored. But I did everything that I possibly could do by the grace of God, and it did not turn out that way. And quite frankly, I felt left out. That's what my feelings were. The fact was, I knew that God didn't, and so I tried to hang on to that, but emotionally I felt left down. Is it right for me to tell God, God, I, I really feel like you left me down? Now, it is... Definitely wrong if I do that in an accusing way. God, you left me down. Now, I know that's wrong. But something about, I, I believe if we're open to God and want to hear what he has to say, I don't think it's wrong to express our feelings. As long as we don't wallow in our feelings. You get what I'm saying? I, I'm, am I being transparent here? Am I, am, I, am I coming across? Okay. As long as we don't stay there, it seems like Job did. But when he was done, he said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, and those skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. That is tremendous testimony of hope. What would the book of Job be like without those verses in there? It'd be a sob story. But he wrestled, and he wrestled, and he wrestled. And I think he was transparent with God, and I think he was transparent with those around him. But he didn't get bitter. And he hung on. And something about transparency in God, brothers and sisters this morning, we need to hang on. We do not have, as Christians, the option of throwing in the towel. We need to hang on. Because if we don't hang on, we will miss the message of hope. That God can use me to pass it on to somebody else. When they are transparent with me. And I'll say, you know what, I'll be absolutely transparent with you. 
I struggled too. I really struggled. But I found my spot under the tree. And God came through. Don't give up. There's hope. A.W. Tozer said, Plain speech is to be admired, but a lot that passes for plain is simply rude. The trouble with the man who boasts that he calls a spade a spade is that he often calls by often ends by calling everything a spade. Because I'm transparent doesn't mean that I'm honoring God. I can tell it the way it is. But if I say everything that comes to my mind, it is selfish transparency, not godly transparency. I believe that godly transparency requires the fruit of the Spirit. And I, and I don't know how I can explain all this, but there's something about the fruit of the Spirit when people, when Christians sit down. I believe, and this is to my shame, I'll admit, but I believe the biblical truth is that when Christians sit down together and they are transparent with each other, the fruit of the Spirit will lower the emotional aspect of that, dis of that conversation, not ratchet it up. I, I just believe that to be true. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness. That don't ratchet up emotions. That calms emotions down. And so I have to admit, personally, if I am in a conversation with another Christian and my emotions are being ratcheted up, there is a difficulty somewhere, and probably with me, that I am not exercising the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if your conversation with an ungodly person, they are unreasonable and all this kind of stuff, that's completely different. You still need to exercise the fruit of the Spirit. But particularly, the fruit of the Spirit, and, and, and I, can, I, I can justify my carnality by saying, that's my conviction, and, and I get really emotional about my conviction. And I can become very transparent about my conviction. And maybe it is my conviction. But my conviction needs to be tempered by the fruit of the Spirit. My transparency needs to be governed by the fruit of the Spirit. It's not whether I get my way or somebody else gets their way. It's not about personalities. It's not about all this stuff. It's about, is God honored? And in the end, is my brother or sister encouraged in the Lord? You see, it's about our relationship with God. It's our relationship with our brother. But we have to be transparent. Or we can get nowhere. Well, I'm going to have to do some trimming or something or the other for this Pennsylvania thing because I don't have this much time. Anyhow, you have the whole concept of transparency and honesty and repentance. Somehow, the whole thing of transparency needs to, needs to carry the aspect of repentance. If I am going to be transparent with someone else and they tell me something that I simply did not realize in my life, I did not know it, then I need to be honest enough and transparent with them enough to say, I never thought about it. I didn't realize it. I am sorry. Will you forgive me, please? And the same with God. 
Revelation there, the, the Laodicean church. He said, you don't know that you're miserable, blind, and naked. You don't know it. My question this morning, how much don't I know? But I pray that God would be transparent enough to deal with, help with me. I pray that my brother would be transparent enough with me that I would be able to see that and grow in the image of Jesus Christ.